Um, the reading today is from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. See, 13 it is 13. It's Jesus tested in the wilderness. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant the king, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, so they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. And now Louis is going to come and speak to us. Do you want me to pray for you a little bit? You... Okay, you can do that. I, n- I never refuse the offer of prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, we thank you for Libby and the words that you've given her over this week. May we have ears to hear and hearts to hear too. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You've just sung several times over this line. Forever I have been changed by your blood. Did you mean it as you sang it? Or were you singing a lie? Because this morning's message has got a challenge. This is where the rubber hits the road. And if you really meant what you were singing, then this message is going to transform Christ Church. We've entered into the beginning of Lent, first Sunday in Lent. We've also entered into an empty space as far as Christchurch is concerned. We're stepping into the interregnum. Where do we go? What do we do? Who do we do? Do, 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 do? We've all got our ideas and thoughts and wonders about what's going to happen. And I believe that God wants to speak very clearly into the lives of all of us. We are all equal in the search for our new incumbent, as as, um, Sarah mentioned this morning. Everybody has got the opportunity to have some input. And so we stand on the threshold of Lent, and we stand on the threshold of the interregnum. 
Jesus has just been baptized by, by John the Baptist, and he didn't want to do it, didn't John? He said, no, I don't want to do that. And Jesus said, it's got to be done, because to paraphrase it, my father has told me it's got to be done, and I need to be obedient to him. And then immediately the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, leads him into the wilderness where Jesus fasted and prayed. We know that Jesus often went away to fast and pray. We read in the gospel several times that Jesus went early in the morning to a high mountain. We also to pray, we also know that he expected his disciples to fast and pray. He said, when you fast and pray, don't be looking miserable like the Pharisees. Don't let anybody know you're doing it. Just carry on life. But he expected his disciples to be fasting and praying. We also know that in the early church, the disciples, the, the early church met together and they did fast and pray. When they had a big thing that they got to make a decision on, they fasted and prayed. We read in Acts, in the in the Acts of the Apostles, the disciples, or the men, it said, well, we'll say here men and women, met together and prayed and fasted to seek the Holy Spirit's will. And the Holy Spirit said, set Barnabas and Paul onto one side. I have an important job for them to do. And they laid hands on Barnabas and Paul and they sent them out. And then, it says, they prayed and fasted again. So here we have two things that Jesus has said all along. He expects us to pray. He expects us to fast. And as far as we know, he never changed his mind. If you, not if you, most Sundays we say the Lord's Prayer. And in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, it says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In actual fact, it could be better put, keep us from being tested, but rescue us from the evil one. Jesus was expecting us to be tested as he was tested, and he knew what it was like because he'd been there, done it, got the T-shirt, and he was determined that he was going to help us to overcome the things that we're tested with as well. So, where does that leave us? The first Sunday in Lent. If you came in this church during Advent, here would be a beautiful Christmas tree with lights on. We would have the Advent ring with the candles on it. We would have the candles up around the church building. It would be absolutely stunning. Here we have the first Sunday in Lent. Everything has been stripped away. The picture has been taken down deliberately. The altar cloth has been removed. Everything has gone. No flowers. We have nothing in Lent because we want to follow Jesus the way of the cross. But I want to tell you that there are three things that have been left in the church. The first one you'll find in front of you and this is the Bible. The Bible, which is your first line of defense 
the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He also, we've been given kneelers, and we've got the kneelers out because Ursula wants them out for Good Friday. But I wanted them out for today as well. So we've got the kneelers. And these kneelers have been left over from communion, but I've left them here in case people want to use them later on. The third visual aid we have that nobody can take away is the cross. So let's start at the beginning. If we're going to go down this route, then it comes with a government health warning, and I mean that with a capital G. I can promise you that if you go down this route and we really mean to do it, then the enemy is not going to like it. And he will give us enemy attack. So let's pray before we start. Father God, we thank you for the reading today. We thank you for the lessons that we can learn in this account of Jesus being tested in the wilderness. And as we stand on the edge of this wilderness experience of being in an interregnum and yet following you through Lent, we pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see, you would open our ears, that we would hear, and that you would cover us with the blood of Jesus, that we would be able to be effective in the work that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus went into the wilderness where he fasted. Now I can guarantee that whatever you decide to do in your own heart to give up, this will be your first line of attack from the enemy. Jesus had fasted, he was hungry. And Satan immediately homed in on his weakness and said, tell these stones to be turned into bread. Now, I know that many of us can't fast physically through food because we have tablets that have to be eaten, taken with food, etc. But there are many ways of fasting. We've already heard that you don't have to give something up, you can take something on. How about if you decided through Lent you wouldn't troll the internet in the evening, but you would sit and pray instead? How about you decided you wouldn't watch your favorite soap for the whole of Lent and you certainly wouldn't read up the bits in the newspaper or the Radio Times or whatever so that you can catch up with what's going off even if you're not watching it. I can guarantee that whatever you decide to do, Satan will home in onto that because that will be your weakest area. I've spent several weeks thinking and praying about this. And this particular week, I decided, okay, I will fast. Do you know, every evening, as we sat down to our evening meal, I said, blow me, I've done it again, I've missed it. I was going to fast today. Now, I've heard many challenges about fasting, but this is where the rubber hits the road. We are at crossroads here. Let's take it seriously. 
the church prayed and fasted. But Jesus, when he was tested in his weakness, came back and said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And it goes on to say, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. This is your first line of defense. Know your scriptures. Open it, read it, memorize it, write it down, speak it out aloud. Do yourself little cards like my granddaughter has for revision. Question on one side, answer on the other. Just a little card. Write down, study it, find out what God is wanting you to start speaking over the things that are happening. Find out the truth. Some years ago, John had a nervous breakdown, long before we lived here. And all the way through the house, I printed out, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And I pinned it in the places where I knew he was most vulnerable. And so when he was struggling, all he had to do was look up and see it and say it. In the good old days, you know, we used to say, take a spiritual a scripture prescription. Do you remember that, Fred? I get up three times a day and say the prescription. Today, he that is greater in me is great, he that is in me is greater than who, he who is in the world. Lunchtime, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Tea time. Take it three times a day. Get to know the word of God. We've been left the word of God. This is your first line of attack. This is your sword of the spirit. My sister was told to learn her 12 times table until she knew it standing up on her head and she could recite it back to front. And one day we went into the garden and there's Margaret against the side of the wall and we said, whatever are you doing? And she said, I'm saying my 12 times table back to front standing on my head. <laughs> the word of the Lord. Get to know it. Use it. Jesus didn't argue. He said, it is written. We've been left the kneelers. The second temptation that Jesus had was to bow his knee to Satan. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and they looked so tempting. And he said to Jesus, if you would just bow your knee, all these will be yours. I wonder, what do you bow your knee to? Now, when I was asking myself this same question, I, I don't bow my knee to anything but you. But then things start to tick over in your mind if you start thinking about it. What ambition have you got? What is it you covet most of all? What is it that's occupying your mind more than anything else? What is it that you are putting on the throne of God and it is becoming an idol and you are bowing the knee? We can all come up with our own answers. 
Do you know whatever occupies your mind the most will become your God? The things we ponder on in secret, the thoughts that we have in secret are not secret to God. I could have easily have gone down the road this week of thinking every day this week I was going to fast and I've fallen to every hurdle. How can I stand there and say we should be doing this? I can't do it myself. God knew my thoughts. He also knew the desire of my heart and that was to come and share with you what he, I believe he's wanting to say and to be honest with you. So I ask you again, what are you kneeling before? Who are you paying homage to? God knows. Spend Lent asking him. Jesus replied, he got the word, the sword of the Spirit, and said, It is written, worship the Lord your God and him alone. Now the third one's a tricky one. Because Satan's very good at cottoning on on how we actually respond to what's happening. And here Jesus was saying, it is written, and it wasn't long before Satan cottoned on to this, and the next challenge was he took him to the highest place, and he said, jump. And the angels will come and rescue you, because the scripture says that that's what's going to happen. But in actual fact, although Satan can quote scripture at you and try and get his own back through the way you are speaking to him, he misquotes things. He twists it slightly. Now, it often sounds logical. But this is why we need to know what's in here. Because if we don't know the truth... When Jesus, when Satan comes along and says, but it is written, you can say, ah, no, it's not. You've taken that out of context. It is not the truth. And Jesus replies to him. He tries to catch Jesus out, but his response is, it says. Can you imagine him getting really angry at this point? It says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And that's where we come to the last visual aid we've still got in church, the cross. Because nobody expected Jesus to go to the cross. Those that knew him as the Messiah were expecting him to come as a warrior but Jesus had to go to the cross. And if he jumped at that point, we wouldn't have had a cross. We wouldn't have had a Christ church. We wouldn't have had a faith. Satan will always tempt you to take his way rather than God's. 
Have you ever tested God? If you do this for me, God, then I promise I'll do that. What happens if God doesn't come up to your expectations? He certainly didn't come up to the expectations of the people who thought he was going to come as a warrior. They had no idea he was going to die a criminal's death. The last thing they expected was a crucifixion. What happens if the new incumbent doesn't fulfill your expectations? That's why we need to come before the Lord and find out what his way is and not ours. We would never have thought that Jesus should have died a criminal's death, but that was the way of God. And we have a clear road ahead of us as we go into Lent. And I can appreciate that we can't all fast from food, but we can all pray, and we can all fast in some way, and we can all get to know the word of God and use it as our sword. We can all use the word of God. We can all bow the knee and we can all take it to the cross. All that I am I lay before you. All I profess, all I confess is nothing without you. Saviour and King, I now enthrone you. Take my life, my living sacrifice to you. Jesus, Lord, be my strength within my weakness. Be the supply in every need that I may prove your promises to me, faithful and true in word and deed. Into your hands we place the future. The past is nailed to Calvary, that we may live in resurrection power. No longer I, but Christ in me. What are you giving up for Lent? What are you taking on for Lent? Where is God taking us through this wilderness of the interregnum? Don't let's just sit there and say, yeah, that was good, go home, do nothing about it. This is where the rubber hits the road. Are you prepared to stand or kneel? 
and say, we want to go into this time of Lent and Interregnum together because of Christ who died on the cross. We want him to be Christ of Christ Church. Amen.